Hi, everybody. I've been uh, uh, just trying to absorb where our country is and um, trying to make sense of it, just like all of us are. Um, and uh, so I was just talking to my son, who plays basketball in Europe, and uh, thank God for technology because now we can FaceTime and he's not alone. So it makes that experience so much easier. But um, he watched a documentary that just came out that features Fran Lebowitz and is directed by Martin Scorsese. I haven't watched it yet, but I recommended it to him because anything Martin Scorsese does, with few exceptions, um, he loves. So he then called me to critique it or to talk about it because he watched it. I, I have a feeling he said he watched it a couple of times. He doesn't know anything about Fran Leibovitz and Leibovitz. And um, I do. You know, I don't, she, I, I'm from New York City, Manhattan, and was part of book publishing and all of that. So I know that she speaks to the intellectual elite of New York and that she's funny. She's funny and brilliant. But um, he was he was telling me that in this documentary, she is being interviewed or in discussion with Spike Lee. And um, Spike Lee apparently asks her, um, so... Michael Jordan, would Michael Jordan be looked upon as um, with the same um, honor that, say, a Leonardo da Vinci is in the future, um, the way that he is, Leonardo da Vinci, is looked upon today? Now, Franny Leibovitz apparently had already discussed the fact that She's never owned a computer. She doesn't have a cell phone. She never watches television. So that, to me, is that sort of, yeah, that means she's really an intellectual. I'm being a little bit snarky right now. But um, so, of course, she says no, because 100 years from now, Leonardo da Vinci will still be studied and he'll still be adored and no one will really know anything about Michael Jordan. And I was, and Reggie was just talking to me about that. And I found myself sort of doing the thing that I do, which is trying to explain to him that she is that kind of thinker. And, you know, in some ways, it's, um, it's time. Because while we're dealing with the browning of America, and America is having to deal with, you know, your average American and your middle class American, and so your upper middle class American and even your rich American is having to deal with and adapt to the browning of America, which is why we just went through what we went through on January 6th, the intellectual elite has to go through it as well. And for her to say that Michael Jordan will not have that place 
that a Leonardo da Vinci does is for her to actually be wrong. And I said to Reg, the first thing I said was, well, she's already confessed to the fact that she doesn't have a computer, she doesn't have a television, she doesn't have a cell phone, so she thinks that Michael Jordan won't be discussed 100 years from now. I see no reason why he won't be. And I see no reason why his talents won't, won't have the same adoration that Leonardo da Vinci's talents have. And I said to my son, that's the adjustment now, and it's very promising that even the intellectual elites will have to make. And it sort of reminds me of this conversation I had with a woman that I didn't know. She was white. She was, um, I don't know, she had short hair. She was, I I don't want to describe anybody, but... um, And she had on a sweatshirt that had some sort of emblems and slogan on it. And I asked her, and I don't know, we were shopping in the same spot or something, and I asked her what that was. And she said, oh, you know, it's an organization that is fighting for the literary world, the literary magazines, to become more inclusive, for them to have voices of people of color and for them to have voices of people of different backgrounds. And I found myself oddly annoyed because I was like, there's an organization that people are donating to that's fighting for this. And she was like, yeah. And she was, and I don't mean this derogatorily, um, sort of a social justice warrior type person. Um, and she felt this mission was, was stellar. And I was surprised at myself that I didn't think so because I said, you know, there's a lot of black literary magazines. There's a lot of multicultural literary magazines. There's a lot of multicultural writers. You can buy one of those magazines. You know, if the literary magazine that you are used to doesn't want to have those voices in it, what stops you from buying the ones that are exclusive to that voice? Just like this one is exclusive to the other voice. And it reminds me of when I was in college. Um, There was a there was a review, a literary magazine, um, and it was a tradition at the college. And um, none of the the students of color were ever accepted into this magazine. And it was very, as far as I'm concerned, contemplating your navel. And so we had a creative writing class, and we thought our work was amazing. We enjoyed when anybody read their poetry. We just, we loved it. And so three of us decided, hey, we should have a magazine. And I was one of those three. We went around campus. We begged for money from all kinds of different departments, found ourselves getting a nice little budget, and then we created this magazine that we found that for three years, this, the student, the 
student body of color was desperately waiting for the issue to come out. It always came out in late spring. Um, called Free Spirit, and I'm proud to have really been one of the founders of this. But um, there's nothing stopping any of the students from reading Free Spirit instead of the review. But they would rather, um, you know, boycott or fight the good fight as though they have to force. Uh, it's simple, in my view. It, it means they're afraid to go and buy something black. Reminds me of when my white um, niece uh, at Christmas time, you know, they had a little thing between the cousins, and so my son had to buy for her. And, of course, I had to do the shopping, and I bought a black doll for her. I saw no reason not to. Um, and I don't know if once they got home they were offended or anything else, but it's all there. It's all available. Um, and so getting back to Franny Leibovitz, and I probably shouldn't say anything until I actually see the documentary myself, but I said, I don't feel like, we don't feel like battling with her about Michael Jordan. It's adapt or die time. That's where we are now. And um, it's okay. It's, um, we don't, we don't have to do more. And I don't see any reason why, you know, if you're curious about anything, you can't go and buy something that's specifically black or specifically anything. Um, instead of, you know, forcing and donating and boycotting and trying to get more inclusion in something that, you know, they need to adapt or die because the world is changing. Our world is changing. Thanks for listening, everybody.